Probably 100,000 people were in the city of Jerusalem when Jesus came in on a donkey. 100,000 people shouting, not with you, but at you. Save us. Save us now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Save us. We're asking you to save us. Now, I find that astounding that Jesus never lost his focus because I, like you, at times lose my way. I hear other voices. No, I'm not crazy. I'm not psychotic. But I get confused and distracted just like you do. And so we see this in the early chapters of Genesis, how it worked. Satan comes up to Eve, and he has a different voice. And the voice to Eve is, did God really say that you can't eat of the tree? And if you touch it, you, you will not surely die. And because it worked with Eve, he thought he would try it with Jesus. Jesus had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and the Bible says he was hungry. Duh, you bet he was. And Satan comes to Jesus with the voice, if you are the Son of God, Take these stones and turn them into bread. If you are the Son of God, just throw yourself off the temple. If you are the Son of God, just bow down and worship me, and you won't have to go through all this pain and problems and trouble. Jesus never lost his way. And is that possible for you? And is that possible for me? Well, the answer is yes. Let's go back and just review the story. Let's start in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I just want you to sit back and relax, and I'm going to share some things out of the Gospel of Mark tonight. I love this because Mark tells the story. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul, said Jesus, is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and he prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and he found them sleeping. Simon, he said, why are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but what? The flesh is is weak. Once more he went away and he prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. And returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting enough? The hour has come. Look. The Son of Man is delivered in the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. This is the last Thursday night. This is Thursday evening of the last week of Jesus' earthly life. And as he was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, appeared. And with him a crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the teachers of the law. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man, he said. And so going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, and he kissed him. And the men seized Jesus and arrested him. Then one of those standing near drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Am I leading a rebellion, said Jesus, that you've come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you, teaching you in the temple courts, and you did not arrest me. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. And then everyone deserted him, and they fled. 
A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. Good thing this isn't a movie, isn't it? They took Jesus into the high priest. And so now this is a trial that goes on all night long. And by the way, this is a highly illegal trial. The trials were not to take place after a certain hour. They don't care. They're going to try Jesus all Thursday night into early Friday morning so they can crucify him by 9 a.m. on Friday. They take Jesus to the high priest, the chief priests and the elders, and the teachers of the law. Peter followed him in a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest. And there he sat with the guards, and he warmed himself at the fire. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus so they could put him to death. But they didn't find any. Many testified falsely against him, but these statements did not agree. Then some stood up, and they gave this false testimony against him. We have heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with human hands, and in three days I will build another, not made with hands. Yet even their testimony did not agree. Then the high priest stood up before them, and he asked Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is the testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent. And he gave no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah? Are you the Son of the Blessed One? I am, said Jesus. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore his clothes. Why do we need any more witnesses, he said. You've heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And they all condemned him as worthy of death. Then some began to spit at him. They blindfolded him, struck him with their fists, and they said, prophesy. Now, friends, I think at that moment, God himself had to hold back the angels in heaven. When they began to spit on God's son, and the spit went into the top of his head, into his eyes, into his nose, dripping off of his beard, I picture God having to say, Gabriel, no. Gabriel's begging, I just need five minutes, God. Just give me five minutes, and I'll wipe them all out. I think the Father himself held back those angels in heaven. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You are also with that Nazarene Jesus, she said, but he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about. When the servant girl saw him there again in the courtyard, she again said to those, this is one of those fellows. Again, he denied it. And after a little while, those that were standing near to Peter said, surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. And Peter began to call down curses, and he swore at them. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Immediately, the rooster crowed the second time. And then Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and he wept. Now it's early on Friday morning. The trial's gone on all night long. He's gone back to Caiaphas. He's gone to Herod. He's gone to Pontius Pilate. He's gone back to Annas. He's gone back to Caiaphas, back and forth all night long. The chief priests and the elders, the teachers of the law, and the whole Sanhedrin made their plans And they bound Jesus, and they led him away and handed him over to Pilate, the Roman governor. Are you the king of the Jews, said Pilate? You have said so, said Jesus. The chief priests accused him of many things. And so again, Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer? See how many things they are accusing you of? 
But Jesus made no reply, and the Bible says Pilate was amazed. Now, it was the custom at the festival to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the uprising. And the crowd came up, and they asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews, said Pilate, knowing it was out of self-interest that the chief priests had handed Jesus over to them. What shall we do with the one you call the king of the Jews? Pilate asked, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him, they shouted. Why? What crime has he committed, said Pilate? But they shouted all the louder, crucify him, crucify him. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed over to be crucified. The soldiers then took Jesus into the palace, that is the, called the praetorium, and they called together the whole company of soldiers. I've been to all these places. This past September, I saw all these amazing places. They put a purple robe on him. They twisted together a crown of thorns, and they slammed it on Jesus' head. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews! Again and again, they struck him on the head with a staff, and they spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. What are they doing? They're making fun of Jesus. And when they had mocked him, they took off his purple robe, and they put his own clothes on him, and they led him out to be crucified. A certain man named Simon from Cyrene, the follower of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by, in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. You see, the people that were being crucified were forced to carry the cross beam. If they could carry the cross beam after being flogged, that was their job. Jesus was flogged, bleeding, hurting, flesh ripped open. He couldn't carry the cross beam. So they forced a man, a stranger, to do this. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha. I'm going to show you some pictures of Golgotha this next Sunday morning which means the place of the skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots lots to see who would get what. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, Above the cross, the king of the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their fists at him and saying, So, you're going to destroy the temple and build it in three days? Come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, they mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down from the cross that we may see and believe. And those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At noon, Jesus has been on the cross now for three hours. He was on the cross for a total of six hours. But now at high noon, darkness covered the face of the earth. And darkness came over the whole land until three o'clock in the afternoon. At three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lamna sabachthani, which means... My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And for the first time, Jesus has not felt the presence of his Father. And for the first time, Jesus has felt the presence of sin. And for the first time, your laundry list and my laundry list of sins has now immersed the Messiah. 
and the pain is enormous. When some of those standing by heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, and they filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and they offered Jesus to drink it. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down. And with a loud cry, according to the Gospel of Mark, with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain at that moment in the Holy of Holies that separated the holiest holies from the holy place, the curtain in the temple was torn at that moment in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. Here's a trained executioner who has executed tens of thousands of men. He'd never seen any man die quite like this. And he said, surely this was the son of God. And some women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene. Mary, the mother of James the Younger, and Joseph and Salome. In Galilee, these women who'd followed him and cared for his needs. Many other women who'd come up to him in Jerusalem were also there. It was preparation day. That is the day before the Sabbath. And so as evening approached, now we're Friday afternoon right now. Friday afternoon as the sun has been setting. Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who himself wanted for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and he asked for Jesus' body. And Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning summoning the centurion, he asked if Jesus had already died. And when he learned that the centurion said it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. And so Joseph uh, brought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in linen, and placed it in a tomb cut out of the rock. And then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb And Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. Thousands of people, just five days before this, are shouting, Hosanna, save us, save us now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Let us have the coming of the son of David. Let's have the sword of David. And Jesus never lost his focus. Now, how do you and how do I fulfill all the purposes that God has in store for us? I'm talking to the believers tonight. I'm talking to church tonight. I'm talking to all of us who are going to be in heaven together forever and forever. And yet, even though heaven awaits us, we have a job and a role and a task and a responsibility here today on this earth. And he hasn't just saved you to sit in a pew somewhere and stew the rest of your life. He saved you for ministry. He saved you for a purpose. He wants to have your hands and your feet and your mouth. He has saved you. And so how do you and I hear that voice and only that voice when we have so many distractions? It's so easy to get confused and distracted and sometimes even defeated. Well, here's what Jesus heard. When Jesus was baptized, Jesus heard these words from his dad. This is my beloved son in whom I am what? Well pleased. Oh, I'm so pleased. At Jesus' baptism, he knew who he was. He had an identity from his dad. 
In Matthew chapter 17, at what's called the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John, and Jesus are up on this hill, and all of a sudden, Jesus kind of unzips himself, basically. He just, the glory just comes out of Jesus. And Peter and James and John are freaked out. And the Father said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am so pleased. You see, this is what the cross did for you. The cross took away your sin. The cross took away your shame. The the cross took away everything that could keep you from being all that he has in store for you. The cross is what he had in store for you, had in store for Jesus, and we come to the cross and we embrace the cross. And every time we get lost, we just come back to the cross. Every time we're not sure whether or not God really loves us, we just come back to the cross. Every time we get a little bit confused and distracted about life, because life can be confusing and distracting, we come back to the cross. Because the only one who was sinless died in your place and in my place. And so we come to the cross and we say, okay, refocus me. Okay, I'm declaring your praises. Okay, I'm declaring how great you are. You can have all of me. So maybe again tonight, you had to lay something down. Maybe bitterness, maybe insecurity, maybe greed, maybe jealousy, maybe sexual immorality. Whatever it is, all of us in this room are continuing to take off our cloaks and we're laying it down, laying it down so that we can worship him. Jesus heard the voice of the Father. What's the Father saying to you? He has great plans in store for the church, and you are the church. He has great plans in store for the body of Christ, and you are the body of Christ. So here we come tonight. We cling to the cross. We cling to the old rugged cross. We come as a group of believers tonight declaring the greatness of the blood, the greatness of the body of our wonderful Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we have an opportunity right now to to have communion together. And the folks are going to pass this out for you right now. And if you would, take the loaf and take the cup. And I want you to ask God a couple different things tonight. Number one, Father, do you love me? Do you love me? And get that squared away. Get it squared away whether or not the Father loves you. You've got to come to grips with that. No matter what you've said, no matter what you've done, no matter how many mistakes you've made, you've got to come to grips with that because that's your identity. And when we understand our identity, that we're in Christ, then we have power, we have strength, we have courage, we have the motivation. So number one, we come to grips with, do you love me? Number two, what do I need to lay down? What's in the way of me accomplishing all the great things that you have in store for me. So today, tonight, right now, they're going to pass out, take the loaf, take the cup, and spend just a couple of minutes with this and take it on your own and just pray and seek your Heavenly Father. Seek this time with Him. This is your time to connect and to worship with him in a great way. Let me pray for the loaf and the cup, and then you pray for yourself, and you continue to worship him. Oh, our Father God, you gave us your son, Jesus. Jesus, you came to this earth. You lived 33 years of sinless life. 
You became a sacrifice for us. You gave your blood. You gave your body. And even on that Thursday night, in that upper room, you served them the loaf and the cup. You took the cup. You blessed it. You took the bread. You broke it. And you shared this with all of them. So we come tonight to renew the covenant relationship we have with you. Let us hear clearly your voice. Let us hear clearly the path you have for us. We declare the praises of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you.